And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. You get stop that it scares me, buddy. That's what's gonna happen when we're doing partuzies. Man, I'm faded though. <laughs> Good. Okay, uh, guys, welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. My name is uh, Chris Neff. Uh, you've already been uh, introduced to my partner, Dave Sarah. There, hello. He's baked as usual, dude. Faded, yes. huh? Yes. What are we on? Gummies? Yes. Uh, sticky strips. Sticky strips. Sticky, sticky with the Z. Sticky strips. Uh, okay. Indica, sativa. Give them a shout out. Official sticky strips on Instagram. Well, now it sounds like we have two pot sponsors for our show. Maybe one day. Guys, uh, welcome back to the show. I sponsor show. them. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Half your paycheck goes to sticky strips. Uh, guys, if you're just uh, joining us, this is episode 42 of Down on the Docks, part two of The Last Leonardo. So if you're just discovering us for the first time, you might want to hit the rewind button and back up one episode. Um, as always, we appreciate you tuning in and uh, could use your help. So if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at Down on the Docks. That's Down on the Docks with a C on Twitter or Down on the Docks pod on Instagram. And as always, we do appreciate your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Of course, if you... Yeah, need- even if you're talking smack. It's all you, right. I love the way you keep saying like yeah. that is like a way to get that's them to how review. I get them, that's how I get the troll, the judo. That's my judo. Yeah, we're not a troll show. Tell us how much you hate us. Yeah, we're, that's not what we're going for. Five stars. Five stars. Uh, say something nice us. if you have time. And Dave... If you don't mind, yes. please let our listeners know who this week's episode is sponsored by. This week's episode of Down the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms, our favorite, because I'm faded. I might even go off script on this one. This shit was established in 2016 San Diego. Nah, California. Cal- <laughs> cannabis entrepreneur Anthony Bird. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis. Goddamn right it is. It's one of the most modernist takes ever. Okay? Because it's like... It, it infuses the cannabis brand into one called Broccoli Farms. Uh-huh. And that's just how we're going to go with this because it's the lowest delivery minimum in San Diego, bar none. Where does the bar none come from? I don't know. I know where uh, uh, the buck stops here comes from. Where does that come from? That comes from a poker uh, oh, playing. That was a chicken. What they used to do back in the day when they Mark deal, stops here. When they deal poker, uh-huh. you know you have a button. Right. Right, which signifies yeah. you're yes. the dealer. Yeah. So they, they put a buck knife down. Oh. And that's where the buck would stop. Oh, wow. Correct. Sick. But Truman, our, uh, uh, one of our great presidents. Right. Uh, Harry all, S. Harry S. from Missouri. He also had a, uh, a sign on his desk, Missouri, that said the buck stops here. But the awesome. buck stop origin is from playing poker. That's where it stops. All right. Well, bar none, Broccoli Farms is the shit, doggy. It is. All right. It ain't no swizzle strip. Go to their website or on wherever you got to find them. Especially on Instagram, Broccoli Farms 619. Correct. But you got to use Down on the Dogs podcast for 15% off. Yep. You got to get those FTPs, doggy. Give me those FTPs. Okay. Do them. All right. All right. I think that was better. Back to the show. Yeah. Okay, guys, if you recall episode 41, the first part of The Last Leonardo, we stopped after um, we revealed Christie's big marketing campaign 
using uh, real-life people, not showing the product that they're selling, which, of course, is the disputed last Leonardo, but instead people's faces, including those of another Leonardo, of course, being the DeCap. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I saw the DeCap possibly doing some uh, DeCoke with uh, Jack Nichols. No, 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 no. What? No, no, no. What's the other guy? What is, what is this? No, no, the no, no, Perez no. Hilton no, no, no. show? He was stand- Look, first of all, he's making some signs to his nose. Yeah. And then you see him playing with his mouth later. Yeah. And he's standing right next to De Niro, not Jackie okay. Nicks. Yeah. Did you see this in public or no, on no, one he of was your favorite no, on online rags? Okay. It's just like, it's funny. I, all right. It's funny to think. Well, let's go back to the Christie's campaign. Uh, co-chairman of the Contemporary Art at Christie says th- uh, this reaction that they're seeing is some kind of an homage to an artist, the first viral artist who was the first real image maker, who's, you know, who would have had, who would have images that would go all around the world and be recognized by mm. anyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Allison Cole, she's uh, the editor of the art newspaper. She says Christie's is in the business of selling. It's not in the business of authenticating. Right. And they did a great job on the back of that amazing uh, marketing campaign, which everybody, without hesitation, gives plaudits to as sort of cynical marketing exercise. Well, at this point, the Monday, it's popping. Mm-hmm. So it's making the morning talk shows. Uh, Charlie Rose, they show him, and he's talking to a Christie's representative, and he says, now, are there any serious questions about its authenticity? And Alan uh, Wintermute, who is the Christie's old master paintings senior specialist, says, no, not really. (laughs) It was, as I said, almost completely overpainted, but once that was removed, after its rediscovery, the quality of it became very evident. And really, uh, there hasn't been any real question. Of course. And Nora O'Donnell says, why is it called the male Mona Lisa, Alan? Well, it's painted around the same time as the Mona Lisa, around 1500. And this and the painting of Mona Lisa probably overlap. Well, Evan Beard, remember him, Global Art Services Division of B of A? Mm-hmm. He says the Monday... How do they, how do they not know the exact year the Mona Lisa was painted? Uh, I find that strange. This happens from time to time. Does it? Yes. Okay. Um, they can't. They can't nail it down to the exact year all the I feel time. Like they should be able to. Well, all right. It's anyway. not like carbon dating a fucking. I know dinosaur it's a dumb bone. question. Somebody's gonna answer with because of something about the bats or yeah, something. Yeah, that was me. I just okay. answered it. Yeah, so okay, thanks. Evan says the Salvatore Monday Global Tour took on a life of its own. It, you know, from London to Hong Kong. Uh, of course, these places being where there could be clusters of potential buyers. <laughs> Love me a good cluster. Yeah. Chocolate cluster. Uh, well, Diane Modestini, you know, she says, I was opposed to them doing that. It was reckless to send it around the world that way. Keep in mind, she refers to this painting that she's restored as, you know, one of her children at this point. But I couldn't stop them from doing it. And I'm sitting here thinking, why is it reckless? Why is it reckless? Is she is she being hyperbolic? Is she concerned about the safety of the painting? I don't understand her motivation in saying this. Uh, well, Kenny Schachter, he's my favorite New York uh, badass. Schachter, he sounds like a sick ass. That should have been a the he, name of a sitcom. He refers to Christie's as mercenaries. Schachter, you know, and says that's just business. You expect them, you know, and that type of behavior from them. Uh, and if you're a client of Christie's, you want them to do anything as ruthlessly as possible to get you the greatest price for your asset. Evan also adds, in the time I've been at this, 
I never remember a picture becoming sort of pop culture icon where lines were literally around the corner. Uh-huh. This was a cultural event in its own right. And by the time it came to New York, everyone, everybody wanted a piece of it. So Christie's, their tagline is, the last Leonardo. Normally, what you do with an old master is you talk about the provenance, its composition. None of that was required here. They knew they were going to be appealing to a subset of the collector base that was thinking about power yeah. and legacy. Hey, Mr. Billionaire. This is your last chance to acquire the greatest art artist of Western civilization. Right. Like, does it go into how, like, um, okay, you've talked a little bit about yeah. marketing. Yeah. Does it go into, like, was there, like, a, did it feel like a different type of, like, marketing push behind it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, in what sense? Well, I mean, if, first of all, somebody produced a five-minute video, okay. okay, to sell this thing. Where? And where did, where did that go? It went everywhere. Okay, okay. A Super Bowl? <laughs> you know what? No, I'm no. surprised they didn't do a that Super Bowl sick. spot. Imagine yeah. you're selling a painting, the last Leonardo's uh, 2050 Super Bowl. Yeah. Wow. Sick. I could, I mean, I, like I'm an not, actual Leonardo. I'm just thinking back in my head. I'm like, I don't recall seeing this anywhere, you know, um, probably because I wasn't totally tuned into social media, you know, five or six years ago. But, you know, when you hire Earl Morris to do a commercial for you and you essentially make a five-minute film to try and sell this, and then you hype it up, of course, with, you know, the advanced ticket sales and people lining up around the block, I mean, at the end of the day, you're doing something to create an enormous amount of interest. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, Alexander Bregman, the art writer, uh, she says, you have to know your audience because it was a trophy to end all trophies. It is a work that's very subject is power. Okay. Okay. Let's combine three things here. Sure. You've got um, the Da Vinci. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No, no. It's not <laughs> sex, drugs, <laughs> okay, and rock and roll. Sure. Okay. You got sure. the Da Vinci. It's not cookie. Okay. 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 You got the Da Vinci, which is already a big deal. You've got the subject. Okay. Which is essentially Jesus. Yes. Okay. And then you've got Jesus Christos. And then you've got what's the last thing? Uh, rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, was it? There wasn't a last thing. Oh. I was just saying, like you know, you that's know. pretty rock and roll. It's they, they pulled the cup, like they fucking they they tore the place up, dude. I mean, it's a it's it's like a cultural movement. I get you. I get you. That's fucking, funny. It's not just Jesus. You know, I get it. holding the world in his hand and saying he's the savior. It was compelling. Of the world. Yeah, it's the Davinci, bro. Yeah, you know, it's compelling, and everybody got got. I really screwed up with that. There's a three thing. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I helped you out there. So, made it made it so much let's better. Let's go to New York, 2017. Evan says the morning of the sale, I woke up at 6 a.m. and I had a car fetch me. I don't know who talks like that, by the way. Well, but you're. I talking. guess art people do because yeah. paintings fetch dollars. What, okay, let me, what's the uh, what? Give me the 2017. I just told you it's 2017. Okay, but I'm just saying, like, what are the main years? This is all happening. What, like, when is the first start? Okay, well, you don't have to go back right now. It's okay. No, but, no, no, no. I mean, we know when it first started. Yeah, it was in the early 2000s okay, that early these 2000s. guys got the painting. Got it. Got it. And then it. of course, okay, okay. No, it was 2005. That's when they bought the thing okay. in New Orleans. So we're talking 12 years. Yes, yes, yes. Now keep in mind. Diane's been working on the painting for fucking 12 the years. The internet age, dude. They got got. This is the thing with... Uh, so you're, you're very modern. skeptical. I'm, I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I already have a pre-bias with all this right, stuff right, already. Right. Well, Evan gets up at six. 
It's money laundering. The car fetches him, <laughs> takes him to CNBC headquarters in Midtown. And of course, the financial world's interested because what's this thing actually going to rake in? Yeah. And then everybody we. Everybody needs to get in their fucking. Everybody needs to get into the pocket. All right, let's go. So, anyway, you know, they show him and like the Squawk Box host is like, who are these bidders? Well, <laughs> Evan says that's a great question. I think the bidders are going to be a contemporary collector, a trophy hunter, a private equity executive, a hedge fund individual, or a syndicate from the Middle East. Yeah. Chinese wealthy. Yeah. Of course, he forgets to mention. He literally names everybody. Well, but he doesn't mention uh, underground arms dealers. Okay. Drug cartels. Good point. Good point. Okay. Good point. Good point. But he says it's a global trophy. And we'll see where this thing goes. I think it has. This one's got to transfer. I think it has a fighting chance to make $180 or more. Oh, my God. Now, keep in mind. Let's just go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Bouvier. He's the one yeah. who got it for 85 mil and then flipped it the next day to mm-hmm. Robolev for 145 million. Okay. So 180, if it sold for that, that would have made it the most expensive painting ever sold in the oh, history wow. of the art world. Really? Because yes. everything was just like, okay, collected through other ways? No. I mean, it, everything that's been sold has never achieved 180 million, hmm. is what he's saying. Okay. So Christie's. Welcome to Rockefeller Center here in New York. Do I have five? Do I have five? Do I have five? Do I have five? We're not there yet. Okay. You had a completely. They don't do it that way. They're more. They're more like. Uh, they're more British. I have seventy-one. Five, of course, because that's what million. Dollars. That's what our boy One Jerry sold. said. He says you have a completely packed room. They had to bring in extra chairs. People were pushed in corners, corralled there to try and take in the action. So, ladies and gentlemen, we move to the Leonardo da Vinci, the Salvatore Monday. Now, of course, we see Diane there, Alexander, Doug, Robert K. from the Feds is there. Uh, <coughs> previously in the collections of three kings of England, going over here to take 125. Last chance. I don't understand why he starts with the last chance. I think we got this guy mid-auction. Yeah. But he's like, 125? 125? Oh, 130. 130. Oh, oh, 150 oh, the the million from the person with the glasses that nobody knows who they are. Well, they've got the, they've got the, the bank of phone people. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. those are the people that don't show up that want to remain anonymous. Obviously. So it goes to 180 million and then the phones, they start blowing up. Um, because at this point it is the most expensive piece of art. Sure. Ever, ever. sold. That's period ever in been, the process okay. yes interesting so we're at 180 okay, okay? but then okay. It, it it really starts to get tense in there you can hear people audibly gasp because they're like how big is the greatest sale ever going to be give me 200 wow 190 gone. is the bid 190 is the bid who 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 200 million is bid at 200 million wow there it is at 205. Wow. Boom. Sells. We're, I'm still working. Oh, wow. We're still working at the we're still, auction. We're still working at the How long do they focus on the actual auction itself? A good 15 minutes of the film. Wow. But I'm going to bring no, it no, to the no, no, I'm just curious. I'm just well, curious. Let's take a little this break. This is the exciting here. part. Uh, Alexandra says it was hard to tell how much of the loss of composure was genuine and how much of it was for the crowd. At one point, he even 
has the hammer held in the air. And there is a certain courtesy mm. about how long you, you wait can, right, 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 right. for someone to decide if they're going to make the bid. And of course, if you've gone to auctioneer school, mm-hmm. which I've discussed, you know that number is 38 seconds. Mm, I didn't know that. I made it up. Good. Well, Bradley Hope... Uh, you got me. <laughs> Bradley Hope, the investig- uh, an investigative journalist from London, says, in the weeks leading up to the auction, the team at Christie's are receiving calls from some of the world's richest people. At the very end of this list, there's one bidder, and they've never heard of this person. So you got to do your background checks. You got to make sure they're legit because you can't just have some jackass you do it like all before. us. Even, <laughs> I mean, even buying fucking two thousand dollar machines uh, on uh, some stupid website that you can web stream, watch them see the machine through a fucking eight of six hundred by forty resolution bullshit little yeah. thing. And you can they, barely hear what they're saying and how much it's going for. Yeah. And they even, even those, like they do like a, a credit check. Right. To how many references, body out of. Right. But it, keep in mind, if you've been on uh, eBay and bought a few things, they don't do that. They'll let you bid because that shit happens all the time with baseball. Oh, obvi- I mean, okay. But, that's, you know, at, we're talking. Yeah. You know, you're not talking millions of dollars. I mean, these, the reason they do background checks and references for stuff like this, too, is because, you know, you, you could get into the tens of thousands of dollars. That like if you just commit to even just the fact of you committing and you not being able to pick up the machine causes like all kinds of issues. Okay, so. well, they find this bidder and they're like, listen, bro, yeah. if you want to play, you're going to have to transfer 10% of what the maximum amount is that you're willing to pay. Well, the next morning, accounting department comes over and says, you're not going to believe this. Homeboy just transferred $100 million into an account overnight. So if we do the math, okay. he's ready to pay a bill. Right. Okay. So he's got the cash. Well, Alexandra Bregman, she says, often, oftentimes there is a predetermined price of sorts. Very few people or sometimes only one person knows what that actual amount's going to be. Um, now, back to the auction. 220 is the bid. Well, a casual hand goes up to $220 million. Are you done here, sir? Are you out? $240? $240? So we're all done? Maybe not. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe not. Don't take the <laughs> photograph so quite yet. Just Do you. not take the photograph quite yet. Still two of you in the game, I see. Mm-hmm. Well, the phones are blowing up off the hooks. Shit's getting tense. There's about six guys. Six guys on the phone. Well, Evan says, it became clear that we're in a duel. Okay? On one phone, you had someone who wanted to be completely incremental. You know, he was playing with his own money. That's how I do it, by the way. Oh, play with your own money? Yeah. And then you had someone... borrowed money? Well, correct. And then you have somebody who was using, quote, house money, unquote. Right, 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 right. And the house money... We don't think it's an individual. Okay. Okay. We think it's a country. Okay. So, <coughs> any guesses? The Vatican. Any guesses on the country? The Vatskis. The Vatican. Is the Vatican its own country, technically? I don't know exactly how it's qualified as a country or what that is. There's some kind of paperwork, I'm sure, they've filled out. So, you think it's the Vat? The Vatskis could be on it. Who would, who would your second guess be? Because it's not the Vatican. Okay. Uh, of as a country, yeah, Italy. Okay, good guess. I don't know. Wouldn't they have a vested interest in wanting to own the Mona Lisa? What to bring uh, their native son home? I guess. I uh, assume he was Italian. 
buddy, you need to think a little bit more like you would normally think. The Saudis. Suspe- there you go. Uh, I need that suspicious. Oh, you mean the money launderers? <laughs> okay, so okay. Let's get back to the auction. I thought so. I thought so. 300 million. 300 million. Salvatore Mundi by Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, 320. 320 million. 320. We're still not done. <laughs> <laughs> Holding it 330 Baller. million now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Do, do I hear 332 million? Back to Francois. <gasps> 350. Now we see Robert, Simon, and Warren, and they're on the sidelines watching. At 350 million for Leonardo Salvatore Monday. Holding. He's waiting for the 38-second count, as professional auctioneers do. <laughs> 400 million. No. 400 million. Salvatore Monday. Selling here at Christie's? 400 million is the bid. Who's the guy he's going up against? Who's the country? Like, are people, like is it going back and forth, or is yeah. it multiple people? It's two. It's a duel. I told so, you. Okay, who's the other guy again? We don't know. Okay. No, no. We don't know the Saudi... We know that the incremental per- person okay. is pl- is probably an individual. Okay, okay. The country money, yeah, is the <sighs> the Saudis. And are they coming in quick? Yeah, because they're, they're not doing this three thirty, three thirty one. No, they're, they're coming in with five hundred million, four hundred. Yeah, four, yeah. They're okay. doing big right. chunks. Fuck. All right, go. And the piece is sold four hundred oh. million plus, of course, fifty million in commission. Off on top of correct. You don't get a you don't get a break on that. Correct. So let's break down and remember where we started. 2005, we buy this painting for just a little over $1,100. Um, you know, Alexander and Simon. And then, of course, uh, the flip for $85 million, And then the overnight flip to $127 million. So we go from $127 million to $450 million with commission. The art world is stunned. They are shocked. They can't believe it this morning after the astonishing record-breaking sale of a rare masterpiece. Who paid $450 million? Probably a billionaire that bought it, right? That's what the reporters are asking. Well, Alexander Bregman, she reminds us, of course, it's a very anonymous world. And people aren't always quick to say, it's me. I spent all this money. I have all this money. Come to my house, take whatever you want. You know, there's privacy because there's fear around showing your wealth to that degree. Now, I practice these same things when I play cards, okay? I don't, okay. I, when I cash out, I don't act like a baller, you know? I might walk out with five grand. Um, I'm putting 300 in uh, my wallet and I'm putting the other $4,700 in uh, different parts of my body. So when I walk out and probably get robbed, you take my 300, it's game over. You get the license, the credit cards, everything else. You don't flash your cash. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, Christie's spokesperson comes out and says, we will not comment on the identity nor the geography of the buyer. Well, Alexander Bregman she says, even if it's decided months, years, they're definitely Muslims, decades <laughs> later, that it's not really a Da Vinci. 
Those 450 million will live out in eternity as a value put upon this work of art. Right. Well, of course, Diane has uh, some thoughts. She says the director of the Metropolitan Museum of Art wrote on their Instagram after the sale, watch out, (laughs) 85% of the painting is by Diane Modestini. And then that was picked up by a whole lot of people who didn't know anything. Well, there are people of all walks, museum cururators, art historians, regular people just chiming in. Everybody's got it. I don't know where the the fuck I was. I must have been in a dark, drunk hole because I missed all this in 2017. I mean, when they see people came and drove, uh, they're talking about religious people. No, everybody. I mean, it was like viral. I missed it. Okay. So... But people are weighing in. They're yes. like, "This is it. This is a. This is a false. This is a fraud." Yeah. Because you know the metropolitan art man, you know one of the curators, he's got his opinion, and it just caught on like wildfire. And you know, Diane says I started to get trolled. <laughs> you know, yeah. they'd say <laughs> that's not really by Leonardo, and nobody accepts the attribution. Oh, that you call that trolling, huh? Yeah, I'll show you trolling, lady. <laughs> I'll show you a thing or two. They yeah. need to take an Uncle Dave master class. Yeah, of, of memery. Like, can you imagine if RSB, you know, RSB 68? That's different. That's a whole other level. Got a, ho- a hold of uh, the uh, Da Vinci back then, yeah. slapped a big gold dick on it. That's different. <laughs> so. that's, that's just different. Anyway, um, so anyway... Her whole point is they're just there to create scandal and nobody really cares about what the truth is. Well, uh, one of the people that spoke out most candidly and vocally about the Monday being faked was, of course, Jerry Saltz, who we spoke about earlier. And since our last episode, I did discover, uh, I think he won a Pulitzer Prize. Anyway, we see him uh, at the podium, and this is on a Vice News type TV show. And he says... I've been looking at art for 40 years, and this is a made-up piece of junk. Now, keep in mind, he's got a copy of, you know, the, the Mona Lisa, and he's got a copy of the Monday. And he says, real, in drag. So then he points oh to the Mona God. Lisa, and then he points to the Monday, mm-hmm. and on the Monday, he writes, not art, and then mm-hmm. flips it upside down. He says, the Salvatore Monday is no more real than any of the other dreamed up scams and Mm -hmm, schemes mm -hmm. by people that may not be flim flamming. But in the end, they all went along for the ride, which is the lesson of our time. I go along with the lie. I don't say anything because I don't want to be kicked off the island. Sounds kind of like a reality show I'd watch, by the way. Uh... The island he says he's referring to, of course, is power, money, and influence. Mm-hmm. So you have museum people, you've got uh-huh. collectors, curators, art historians, of course, the auction houses who make a big deal about everything. Oh, it's our dream painting, always pushing. Everybody was complicit in dreaming up this beautiful dream of a lost Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Well, Diane says people can get lots of... And now it's not even worth anything more than Hunter Biden's bullshit. Well, I don't know what's going on with Hunter Biden right now, so tell me after the show. He's got to pay... He does... He had... He was sold paintings. Oh, he sold paintings? Around the same time. Wait a minute. Hunter Biden was an art collector? No, an artiste. 
Oh, he was He's, doing his own paintings. Yes, and selling them for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, uh, okay. For money laundering purposes. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Um, is, is, is the work fact. any good? It's Hunter Biden. So it's stra- literally doing it with straws and blowing on the paint and like doing straw, oh, straw really? painting. Mm-hmm. Quite ironic, obviously. Right. Of course. One can think of the irony. Yeah. But that is 100% factual, folks. Okay. I think the highest one sold for almost $500,000. And I think he did multiple tens and dozens of them. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know. I did not Crazy. know Biden so strong. did uh, bubble art. So passionate. Okay. So anyway... Uh, Diane says people can get lots of media attention by saying something outrageous about this painting. Anyway, so I'm just kind of trying to make a case for myself. I've continued to study the Salvatore Mundi. I went to Naples to look at a copy of the Salvatore Mundi. I've tried to explain some of the questions about the painting. There is all this documentation, so I put everything on a website. And I want to give anyone who is interested all the information that I have so they can make up their own mind. After this, I will have my life back because everything I know or probably every everyone will know about this painting is on this website. Yeah, the website's onlyfans.com slash Salvador <laughs> It's I did go to the website. Uh-huh. It's salvatormundirevisited.com. Uh-huh. There no is, is something revisited. There is a lot of information. The Sphinx on this revisited. Site. King Tut revisited. Well, if you guys want to go down a rabbit hole, do check out her site. It's extremely well done. There's layers uh, and layers, no pun intended, of uh-huh. information on this site. Well, Director uh, Kofud uh, says, Do you feel that you have to defend yourself in your work? And Diane says, No, no, I do not. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for part three? I'm ready, Chris. What year are we at right now? Presently? 2017. I love it. The global game. Yes. Okay. We briefly had brought in the, the feds. We did. And then we followed them up with the CIA. Those are also the feds. They are not. Yeah, yes. So they're, they're not. Okay. The, <laughs> Doug Patterson, the former CIA operative, says a $450 million purchase price and nobody knows who's buying it, well, the intelligence community is absolutely going to want to understand where the funds come from and, of course, where they're going. Well, Robert Whitman, founder of the FBI Art Crime Team, says it's very difficult to jack auctions. The <laughs> wait, reason... Wait, it's very, very difficult to jack auctions? It's very difficult to check auctions. Check auctions, auctions yes, because they're certified, they're certified. The reason for that is because of the opaqueness. Uh-huh. Well, Doug says... Is there money laundering taking place? I have one very quick question. Yeah. Opaqueness is one of those ones that always confuses me, Uh and it shouldn't because Uh I'm supposed to be a pseudo graphics Uh designer. Right. But when something is opaque, Uh it means it's not see-through, correct? Correct. We'll start from the very beginning. No, no, I get it. I just want to... And then, uh, yes. And just as a generalization, yes, in the past, feds were known as FBI agents, Uh but now that that term is more broadly apply to all federal agents okay. as feds. I see what you're saying. Got it. Okay. But we're good on opaqueness. Yes. Not translucent. Not not see-through. <laughs> not translucent. Opaque means not see-through. Well, you're throwing another... Uh, you're kind of getting a little bapa in here. Why? Uh, it's opaqueness. Opaqueness? You're, you're adding a third... <laughs> opaque. It's opaque. not opaque. 
Is that adding, a word? Opaque is not a word? Oh, just Opacity, opaque. maybe? Opacity is a word? Okay. Opaque. But opaque. it's not opaque. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Because I even read it recently. Mm-hmm. I, I see the word every day, and I always say it opaque. Yeah. And that's probably because I heard somebody say it once like that. And just well, that's right. because some of the shit you listen to is moronic, and people are going to fuck up on that stuff. Okay. Okay. Anyway, is there money laundering taking place? That's Doug's question. Are there shifting of assets to support terrorists? Oh. Is it state money? <laughs> well, Robert Whitman says that anyone would pay that kind of money for a piece that had questions about it. Is this very guy strange. hunched over? No, he's just an old timer. Okay. He fucking founded. Mustache? He fa- no, he founded the FBI art crime team. He's, so cleanly shaven as fuck. Yeah, but he's a, he's been around the block. Yeah. Well, Doug says the intelligence. Yeah, yeah, he knows his art. He knows his art from a logistical standpoint. Like he's worked on some big cases. I think he even worked on the Isabella Gardner heist in Boston. Imagine like that's your job. Like you, like you're some badass motherfucker, and you're like, yeah, I fucking track art for a living. I think it would be really fun. It is, but then like if you're not that kind of guy, you just think it's, for lack of a better term, gay. It's like going after ballet actors. Oh, got it. Got it. As opposed to robbery homicide or global terrorism. No, I don't want to. Yeah, not not robbery homicide because that's just petty too. Something cooler though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, anyway, this is actually I think I think it's pretty exotic to be honest. It's just paperwork. I doubt it. Um, Well, Doug says the intelligence community knew very quickly who had bought it and how they bought it. Okay. Bitcoin chose to release that information oh and you're gonna tell me that information right now we'll get there let's meet intrepid reporter david kirkpatrick of the new york times he says around 2017 i'm based in london and an old contact of mine from the middle east gets (laughs) in touch and wants to meet no that's a good story he refuses to tell me why we're meeting but when we sit down together he shows me some rather extraordinary documents and these documents are the details of the arrangements for the sale between christie's and the buyer well a reporter says reports suggest that saudi arabia's crown prince is the mysterious buyer of the rare leonardo da vinci painting uh, we see a headline. This is from the New York Times. Mystery buyer of $450 million, Salvatore Mundi, was a Saudi prince. Well, it turns out it was Prince Mohammed bin Salam, uh, who recently just taken over the throne for Saudi Arabia. And what was extraordinary is that he made the splurge at the same time he was cracking down on the Saudi elite for doing the same thing, including many of his royal cousins. He, apparently, he had such a problem at this time with the, the spending in the family okay. that he imprisoned the family members. Right, I remember all this happening. In the Ritz-Carlton. Mm-hmm. Right hey, around the, 2017 is right around the time that hey, the shooting happened. No, you can't, you, you can't spend money. I'm sending you to the Ritz-Carlton as a, as a, uh, as a, as a punishment. Mm-hmm. But... At that time, forced them to God turn. Damn, that's crazy. Turn over hundreds of millions of dollars that he. The uh, Saudi purge, they call it. It was it was it a big thing? Yeah, man. Well, apparently he said, "You guys have been spending on behalf of yourselves when this money belongs to the government." Meaning yeah. 
So he gets it all back. Spending on fucking jet skis in your living room. Right. But of course, the problem is his family is the Saudi government. Yes. (laughs) No, no, no. I get that. But I mean, like, that's why they had to fucking go in there and be like, hey, get off my money. Hey, stupid. Who got this gold cock ring? Who got the gold cock ring? Yeah. You already have 15. You don't need an extra one. No. <laughs> so, oh, wait a minute. So now you guys think you can just go out and get your foreskin nipped mm-hmm. because you got extra cash? <laughs> and eaters. We're, hey, what happens if there's a stan- sandstorm and you need a place to put your gum? Docking. We're keeping it all Oh, my school. God. Hey, don't take your gum out of my foreskin. All right. Turn off, turn off the show, Mom. <laughs> my mom is checked out of the show at this Thank point. Thank God. Not in general, probably this episode. Thank God. We see another headline. Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman buys a $452 million yacht, but slashes public spending. Well, <laughs> David Kirkpatrick continues. He says, right around the same time, he had spent half a billion dollars on a yacht and later $300 million on a French chateau and then there's one more wrinkle, which is the content of this work. Most Islamic scholars, including the ones that are dominant in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, believe that Islam forbids the depiction in art any of the prophets. Maha. So it's a sacrilegious painting. Ah, do they think it was like a Muhammad something maybe even? I'm assuming that just saying Jesus is a prophet or any prophets cannot, they would include Jesus as a prophet. Interesting. No, I mean, actually, yeah. Okay. Well, Saudi Arabia... I didn't really know that. I I thought that they just had something against against Muhammad being... I didn't know that. Interesting. Well, Saudi Arabia has never publicly acknowledged that he or the government of Saudi Arabia is the owner of the Monday. Okay. Okay. And at that time, who was it again? What's the name of the, 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 the Shah? It, it's him. It's it's, What's the name? it's bin Salam. Bin Salam. He, yeah, he not, just got he, MBS. He, it is MBS. Yeah, you sure? Okay. Yes, I'm positive. Okay. It, it, he's the one who was doing the erratic spending. Okay. He, no, uh, no, no, no. He was reigning in the erratic. Reigning, reigning in the from his cousins, exactly. but at the same time, yeah, yeah. he's going out and buying a chateau. Yeah, yeah. And a fucking gotcha, you know gotcha. three hundred fifty million dollar yeah. yacht. Whatever. Some of these fucking I can't can't get with all the names too. Well, the director asks David. He says. Have you been able to obtain any information about when and where this piece of art will be revealed? Mm-hmm. And he says, no, no one knows, and it remains a complete mystery. Well, Kenny, my favorite from New York, I had unequivocal confirmation that the painting was on the boat. <laughs> now, you had started this show, In our first episode of uh-huh. this, uh-huh. saying you'd heard about it being boat. on the yes. boat. I heard it being on a yacht. Mm-hmm. Right. Super yacht. So that just, in itself was worth something close to the same amount of 300, money. Three uh, hundred. But my portions are my proportions were way off. I thought we were looking at like a hundred fifty million dollar painting on a hundred fifty million dollar boat. We're talking four hundred on four hundred. Four fifty. Four hundred fifty. Four hundred. That's so how pain, much. That's how much Dana White's worth. A bill. No, I mean uh, half. I mean probably closer now, but so my point is. Like my point mil. is, you have a painting. That's worth more than the three hundred fifty million dollar yacht it's on. Doesn't that sound like probably the worst place to store a painting? I mean, 
maybe I've watched too many times. Uh, what's the fucking? It's the worst way, cra- obviously. The, fa- the crab boat, but it's, but it's, the, but it's a per- but it's a perfect way if you're money laundering. There's some kind of insurance. Sure, sure, Who knows, sure. dude? Sure. Because if he buys it from Chrissy's or Sotheby's, yeah, and it's not worth anything, technically, maybe he knew it was garbage, but he needed the stamp. And he needed that money to be a higher number. So he's just like, fuck it. It's worth it. This way I can insure it because it has to be able to be insured. And then one day the boat goes down and they give me a billion dollars. Is the insurance company going to charge you more on the premium? I don't know how it works. On the premium. Mm-hmm. If it's if on you, a boat? Yeah, you would think so, right? Oh, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even know. Who knows? Who knows if it's even insured? Well, I just know that when I pay my car insurance, they're like, are you putting your car in your garage at night? Isn't it? You know, who asks you that? Do they really ask? You oh, that? yeah, yeah. Your car insurance can be affected by not only your zip code, but whether it's I know garaged that. every I've night. Never, I don't remember ever answering that question, yeah. but I know that if you, it's worse if your car gets broken into in front of your house than it is if it gets uh, broken into a couple miles away or in a different city. Okay. Because it goes on your homeowner's insurance. There's another headline mm-hmm. Last known Leonardo is on a luxury yacht. Well, Kenny says, I got this story and like all of a sudden it was in a newspaper and there was another newspaper. Then it was translated in one, two, three, four languages. CNN is on the phone. Time Magazine is on the phone. I I didn't think it would strike an international nerve and become the most read article I've written in my 30 years. Well, we see a yacht drifting off the coast of uh, the Netherlands. I mean, the art newspaper, after I wrote the article... Disclosing where the painting was, they literally tracked the boat to the Netherlands, and it was just a few hours' drive from the Louvre. Sometimes they say Louvre, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Louvre. So, let's go to the, the Louvre. Louvre. Let's go to it's the like, Louvre. It's like an yeah. Italian saying, hey, "Let's go to the Louvre." Okay. Uh, it's like when they say "idea," and I want to slap him in the back of the fucking head. Um, so let's go to the Louvre and skip forward to 2019. Uh, we hear a reporter. And now to the blockbuster exhibition of the year, perhaps of many years, a celebration of Leonardo da Vinci 500 years after his death. So it's the 500th anniversary and the Louvre debuts its biggest ever Leonardo exhibition. The Louvre Museum is organizing a large retrospective of his works. It is absolutely unique Well, Allison Cole, of course, of the art newspaper says, the 500th anniversary of Leonardo's death, this is a big show. There is a huge expectation that if it doesn't turn up, the curator, Vincent de Leuven, will have a chance to nail the attribution. Okay. If it does turn up. Sure. So, radio show host, are you still hoping to show the Salvatore Monday? And Vincent, he's the curator at the Louvre, he says... I confirm that the Louvre asked to loan the painting and we hope to show it at this mm-hmm. exhibition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who did you ask for the loan? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well, officially, we don't know who owns it. People say it belongs to MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Well, everybody's really talking about the Monday. Is it coming? And uh, we're dealing at this point with a very secretive owner, obviously. Well, let's meet uh, Stéphane Lacroix. Uh, professor of Paris Institute of Political Studies. Uh, I am Stéphane Lacroix, professor of political science and part of the International Research Institute at Sciences PO in 2017. 
MBS became the central figure of power in Saudi Arabia. He led repressive operations against economic, intellectual, and religious counterpowers. Now, of mm. course, if you'll recall, this was right around the time Khashoggi got whacked. Mm. Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. And, of course, the implication yep, is boy. he had him murdered. Yep, yep, yep. And chopped up the little pieces <laughs> and removed from the fucking embassy. Correct. And, of course, people at the time Jesus. were saying... And they tried to make it seem like some other fat man was him well, walking out. The, of course, this time, you know, the U.S. is involved and, you know, the mainstream oh, media is calling man. this, uh, you know, akin to war crimes, you know? It's, yeah. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Stéphane LaCroix... He says, in order for Saudi Arabia to survive the end of oil, he needs to promote a new image of the country. He understands that he can achieve it through cultural and particularly through art. A collaboration was launched months earlier for the construction of a tourist site in Al Yula. Have you ever heard of Al Yula? Nope. Neither had I. Was that an oil company? No, it's northeast, northwestern Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. and it's just this desert. Yep. And we well, see clearly. Yeah, I know, but it's there's nothing out there. Uh huh. Like uh, all of Saudi like Arabia. Hello. Okay. Well, we see. By the way, that's not Armenia. Armenia is mountainous. Okay, I agree. That's where Noah's Ark is yes, yes. at Ararat. Yeah, I just want to say that we see what look to Christians. be renderings mm -hmm. of. Uh, of a city that's going to be built. Yes. And we see a tourist site with this weird split pyramid. Okay. And uh, you can like walk through it. Cool. There's a huge wooden sculpture with an intricate knotted design. Okay. And then there's another picture that looks like it's some high tech be, ass shit. Yeah. But there's another picture that could be like play area for the kids. Okay. I wasn't sure. And then out of nowhere, uh. it's very beautiful. Uh. You see, it's almost like an invisible building because it's entirely mirrored. Mirrors, yeah. So all you see is the reflection sure, sure, sure. of this gorgeous desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Saudis, this is Stéphane LaCroix, the Saudis make massive investments in the development of this site. Stephen LaCroix. Stéphane. Stéphane LaCroix? Okay, is that a different? Okay, okay. I'm thinking of a different LaCroix. Sorry, go on, go on, go on, go on. Well, on the back end of this development, there are also promises of contracts, mm -hmm. basically arms deals. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the French sense. could benefit from the lucrative contracts <sighs> for their companies. Yeah. More headlines. Even better. Ten-year agreement between... And I bet it's not even that. Well, I'm sitting here saying, what does he mean, basically, arms deals? Yeah, How does he do just mean? know this? Well, the United States provides Saudi Arabia with all kinds of shit. We provide everybody with weapons. Yeah, but we give them the good shit. Well, we give them the second-rate good shit. Well, more headlines. Ten-year agreement between France and Saudi Arabia. Uh, Al-Yula, wonder of Arabia. MBS's grand vision, one step closer to reality. Well, remember Frank Zollner, the legendary, uh, legendary Leonardo da Vinci expert? He says the Arabian states, they want to sort of be seen as cultural nations. It's kind of like nouveau rich, mm -hmm. I guess. You know what I mean? And for the cultural nation building, they need to place the Salvatore Mundi in the Paris Louvre show because it's political at this point. Well, <clears throat> Kenny says, that's what art's being used today. This kind of soft political capital 
where we may have sliced up a journalist for all these terrible things, and then you cover it with a nice painting as a diversion. Uh, Stefan LaCroix, he says, uh, in April 2018, MBS arrives in Paris. One could imagine that they talk about the Salvatore Monday. Now, he's talking about MBS meeting with Emmanuel Macron. Okay. And we see them in shots. They're shaking hands. He even was out of his outfit that they wear. The, okay. The, what, the, I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, I didn't think they were ever out to get out of those. He was in a suit, which kind of shocked me. Hmm. And Allison says, which also tells me that they're willing to break down their perceived, uh, their perceived notion of dress and whatever, and okay. maybe like go business cash yeah, for business, a meeting. Go, you know business what I mean? Cash, like you're going to go get some nachos with MBS. <laughs> right. Sick, dude. He's like, I'll put on a suit and tie. So what do you guys, uh, what do you guys wear over here? Yeah. <laughs> huh. No, but I always thought that they never broke that. I don't really know the rules and stuff. I'm sure. I think it's like one of those things where if you're not in the any Muslim state or something like that, right? If you're you out of state, I think you. Yeah, I think it's like okay, okay, bro. They make the rules. Right. A lot of those, but hey, I guarantee like, you, just like if they Catholics bring their women, Christians, they're still covering up those women. Oh yeah, they don't. They leave the women at home. Some of them need to be covered up though. Well, Allison Cole of Art Newspaper says yeah, that's a joke. I heard it. I'm not going to get them all. I meant to the ladies. Uh, I'd still fuck them. Allison Cole says. Yeah, I don't need to see your face. <laughs> I got a face full of paste for you. Okay, sorry. It's dice. I get it. Yeah. Allison says, if the Louvre says it's an autographed Leonardo, that's a huge deal. It's not just art history. It's world politics. Well, Zollner says the curator of the Louvre at this moment has a problem because politically he cannot refuse the Salvatore Mundi. He cannot refuse the attribution to Leonardo, but nobody at the moment knows what's going on there. Mm. Well, Allison says, we know that the painting was brought to Paris in June. This is 2018. Okay. It was taken to the Louvre laboratory for a top secret examination. Mm -hmm. But I don't the, like these top secret things. There's dude. only six days before the opening of the show. Oh boy. And I received the plan for the installation of the exhibition. And on the plan, the Salvatore Monday given pride of place in the final room. Okay. This is all about staging. Right. Remember Jacques Franck? Jacques Franck. He says. If it were to be presented as a true Leonardo... That's not how he said it, though. If it were, pre <laughs> <laughs> if it were to be presented as a true Leonardo, mm -hmm. he would make the institution ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the French president of the French Republic, Mr. President, I can assure you that it would be most unfortunate if the painting is Presented the panting at the Louvre. Panting is what I do when I go upstairs. Yeah, I always, I'm very heavily panting. Panting is my favorite word. <laughs> yeah, panting. It's got a real Serge vibe to it, Mr. President. I can assure you that it would be most unfortunate if the panting is presented at the Louvre as being entirely painted by Leonardo da Vinci. So even he says it Louvre. Yeah, Louvre. I can't fucking remember. Well, okay, Allison says so. We're all waiting to see. If the Monday shows up, you know, because they get a little. Press. Are they pronouncing it Mundi? Salvatore Mundi. Mundi. Well, Mundi sounds so dopey. It's Salvatore Mundi. 
<laughs> sounds like he's playing quarterback for the Steelers in the 70s. It sounds like a Munson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Muncie, Indiana, dude. Muncie, Indiana. Oh, man. You just got Munsoned. Oh, I just stepped in Kingpin. some Munson. Yeah, Mun that's right. Yeah. Did you hear about the who, who's going to play the things before them? Apparently, it was going to be like... They're doing uh, a pre-Kingpin movie? No, but apparently... Other than the actors that they chose for the main three, yeah, they had like, I don't remember who they're. Damn it! Well, I worked with Jackie Flynn yeah. once yeah. on on a job. He's a great guy. Tell us. Great guy. Great comic. It was like Chris Farley, someone else, and okay. But what are you saying? They're doing a prequel to the no, Kingpin? no, 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 no. Never mind. But what I was <laughs> trying to say was that instead of the actors that they chose for for the movie Kingpin, uh huh, the people that almost got yes. the job. People it's funny how I have to just get all that out. I know. And you can't get that out. I can't even think of the fucking guy's name. Okay. Any of them. Woody Harrelson. And then who's the other guy? Against Randy him? Quaid. No, not Randy Quaid, man. Who, who, what? The Bill other bowler. Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Holy shit. I couldn't <sighs> remember. I was hung up on Bill Murray this whole time. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's get back to the Louvre. <sighs> Let's get back to it. They're all waiting for the Salvatore Monday to show up. Well, Diane says it would be good. If the Salvatore Mundi belonged to the public, the Louvre has all the latest imaging to examine the painting, and that would be wonderful. Well, Allison says, I arrive for advanced press preview and immediately run through the entire exhibition to see if the Salvatore Mundi is in the last room. And there on the wall is a bare spot with three picture hooks. We think, oh, they're just getting ready to hang it. Um, this is a moment of theater, you know, that they've planned for the press. Ha ha ha. And then to our huge disappointment, we get a shrug of the shoulders from the Louvre. Where is the Salvatore Mundi? Oh, is this how it's starting? Is this how we're end, end, ending this like this? Is this really how it's going to go? Let's keep going. Well, the curator, ah, Vincent, like says we couldn't get all the paintings. Mm -hmm. We asked to loan the Salvatore Mundi from its owner. And we are still open for discussion. Oh, okay. One painting not here is still controversial. The Salvatore okay. Monday here I instead. I thought it was supposed to be there and it wasn't there. It was. Well, according to who was supposed to be there, the owner? Everybody thought it was going to be there. But did the owner think it was going to be there? He's the problem. No, but like, it, in other words... That Why don't you let me tell the story? Let's go. Well, in other <laughs> words, it wasn't there and then now it's no longer there. It just never got there, right? Never got there. Okay, that's what I'm trying to clarify. Sorry. Okay. But instead, they put a copy up. Ooh, did they have the copy rights to it? <sighs> well, Diane says... They, we'll, give you, we'll give you the rights to a copy of it. That's cool. People were transfixed, cool. and Damn. I kept... I said to a couple, it's a copy. Don't you know this is a copy? Some of them looked a little confused, but they keep taking pictures of it. And I was hoping up to the last minute that it would turn up, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. The reporters call it the most notorious no-show of all time. Mm -hmm. Well, here are the headlines as to why. The Saudis refused to lend the Salvatore Mundi. Oh, they're naming him now, huh? Did the Louvre doubt the Salvatore Mundi's authenticity? The cloud of intrigue continues to swell. It's actually shrouded in mystery because no one has seen this thing since it was sold at Christie's in 2017. Let's mm -hmm. go to New York, shall we? Okay. Diane says people could say whatever they want. It's like putting out wildfires. You know, one 
goes away and another one crops up and it just never stops. A few days ago, I had a really strange experience. I visited an art historian in his house and he had some books on the table. <coughs> Among them was a small catalog of the Salvatore Mundi published by the Louvre. And I was taken aback and I said, what is this? I've never seen this. He said, oh, I bought it at the exhibition. And I said, well, that's strange. And I started to look at it. Not for sale anywhere. She's referring to, of course, the catalog, the book. Right. I asked our librarian, can you get me the book? And he said, it doesn't exist. Okay. Well, Allison said, I have heard nothing about this book. And I find out that it was produced by the Louvre on the occasion of the exhibition. And it is full of some new technical examination that they've done of the picture. Well, Diane oh, okay. says the book recapitulates the history of the painting, then goes on to attribute it securely to Leonardo. So they want to examine it, essentially. They already published a book that they said they did examine it. And they've and never seen it. And they've never seen it once. We don't know about that. We're just going off of what Diane's discovered. Okay. Well, Allison says this is the first time that we have an independent body. Grubby little hands. Really doing a thorough analysis of the picture. But it's difficult to know what to believe when you've got a lost painting, a lost book, and no access to the scientific examinations themselves. Yeah. Well, remember investigative reporter Antoine Harari? Okay. There's no doubt for the Louvre. So why don't they want to publish this information? Well, somebody calls on the Louvre, and they get a spokesperson. And they say, are you talking about a book published by the Louvre about the Salvatore Mundi? Harari, yes. We didn't publish the book. Oh, what? Hmm. So it's not possible to see it? <sighs> so No. Is it because all the copies have been destroyed? Yes. This is a phone call. Okay. Someone bought the book at the Louvre bookstore. Was it a mistake or what happened? Yeah, it must have been. Um, I think you understand. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the White House. Yeah. We don't want the content of the book to be published. Uh, it was connected to the loan. The loan didn't happen, so there's no book. So somebody got a copy of these books in advance. So the loan, that means the loan went through, the painting was examined, uh, allegedly, and at the last minute, a couple of these books got out while MBS pulls the rug. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So a lot of bullshit going on. So... Harari, BS is right. Harari says, if a public institution takes a, a position on something, the public has the right to know what has been cited. No, she's still on the phone with the spokesperson. Are you asking me? Ask the president of France. Oh, my God. Oh, she pulled that out. She did. That was like a 1960s heckler comeback. Or she's being honest and saying Macron is oh, the one point. that pulled the plug. And you, uh, that's actually, uh, obviously I'm retarded and I forgot mm -hmm. that the Louvre is actually in France. Oh. I thought that was like a fucking, you thought like, it was a, in, like, diss, like Austin or like something? Like diss. <laughs> no, I just thought it was like stupid, like, well, why don't you ask the president of France? Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Well, Jerry Salt says, let me say something about institutional knowledge and authority. It's not as real and as foolproof and as clean, immaculate as you think. It's never neutral. 
power is never neutral. Well, director of the film, he says, you know, people at the Louvre, what do they say about the rumors? So let's meet uh, a man named Didier Reitner, editor of La Tribune de Lot. He says, the Salvatore Mundi, and these are not rumors. I have sources to confirm it. The Salvatore Mundi was supposed to be loaned to the exhi- exhibition, but the owner wanted it to be shown in the same room as the Mona Lisa, which would have put the two paintings on the same level. The Louvre did not want to present it in the same room as the Mona Lisa, so the owner refused to lend it. Well, Evan Beard says, so why did MBS pull the work at the last minute? What he wanted to do was elevate the Salvatore Mundi to the level of the Mona Lisa by placing it not amongst the lesser da Vinci's where the work would be subjected by every academic who wanted to make a name for themselves by yes. opining on the work. Right. He wanted it opposite. Grubby little hands, as the we Mona say. Lisa as a civil, civilizational masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It's raw power. Right. We own this thing. We're going to show it to the world when we're ready. Wow. Well, wow, wow, wow. Kenny says, for He's sure, the, yeah. the painting's going to turn up. You, you can stick in some place in the Turn desert. Turn fucking iceberg right next to the Titanic. <laughs> I think I think they'd be more like the Mediterranean Sea, maybe hey, the Black they pro- Sea. Hey, they'd probably get around the same amount of uh, insurance money as the Titanic did. Well, for sure, it's going to show. Rothschilds. You can stick it in some place in the desert and start to lure tourists from all over the world to see it and stand of it in front of, like, Disneyland. That's going to happen. Well, Stéphane LaCroix, he says there is something in the relationship that Ambias has created with the the painting. There is this savior of the world represented as a young man with a beard in which Ambias might see himself. He might have developed a connection with the painting Uh and wants to keep it for himself as some sort of mirror to himself or how he would like to be seen. I didn't know art historians were also amateur psychologists, but this guy definitely has one. Again, we see the Saudi Arabian tourist attraction with this massive mirrored building. Evan Beard says at this moment, it is a Da Vinci. And right, even the certified Da Vinci. It's a Vinci. That's why this is what Jake Paul did. He got a fake Pokemon Dude, something or other for two million. Here's what he did. Because I follow this. Yes. Um, There is a collector, or excuse me, an authenticator Mm -hmm. called Baseball Card Exchange. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what happened during COVID is Mm -hmm. people went through all their cards. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, I wonder what my Michael Jordan rookies were. Drove up the value and everything. The value skyrocketed to its largest level ever. But people because they had time on their hands they started doing unopened box breaks i remember so they would find like hey i've got a box of 86 fleer basketball open them yeah my favorite are the conspiracy ones the fake conspiracy ones what are the conspiracy ones? oh it's the best it's the same guys fat dudes in suits Uh and he's like holy shit Osama bin Laden, Mr. September. And they're doing like... They're doing uh, box breaks with the cards? They're doing terrorist... Terrorist uh, card breaks? um, Yeah, terrorist rookie cards. Well, they did a... a, a, Mr. September. They broke a box of 86 (laughs) Fleer at the National a couple years ago. And Fleer was notorious for always having uh, an order 
of their cards. They weren't random. So I remember as a kid, uh, we used to call it pack searching. Okay. And you'd go into a store, and if right. you knew the 15 cards on the back that were in front of the Ken Griffey Jr., mm. you knew you were going to get a Griffey in that pack. Wow. So we'd search them. Sick. And people, you know, hated us. Of course. But we were kids. So we'd go through the stores. We'd be like, okay, that's not... I even know the cards. Joe McGrain was one. But if you didn't have that, and if you didn't have, like... 14 others, you knew there wasn't a Griffey in it. Right, right, right. We did the same thing with Bo Jackson in the score where he did the the basket, the Sick. baseball over the shoulder pad yep. thing. Oh, yeah. That was a surgical Bo one. Bo Jackson, that was a fucking big one. Yep. But the point is, 86 Fleer, 86 Fleer had this run. So when they open these cards at the mm -hmm. National, mm -hmm. they're having people open them, and they're, the cards are in alphabetical order. And somebody's yeah. like, no, 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 no. That's not how this shit works. Mm -hmm. This is a searched box. So it was all rigged and it was all bullshit. Wow. But the point is, unopened wax product in the hobby is fucking gold. And, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you just hold it and you don't touch it. And that's supposed to appreciate the most of just about anything. Sure. So, like, you never know what's inside. Yeah. I mean, like, now those boxes of 86, 87 Fleer, they go for anywhere from 200,000 and up. But what happened to Jake Paul was he was in the Pokemon thing and baseball card collector exchange they had um uh, authenticated the pokemon box and they said yeah it's good to go and wow. it was a million and then they opened up like the first pack and it's like um why are we opening up gi joe packs wow. so the box was legit yep but the packs that they put him in were all trash that's crazy so he got a lot of heat for that for fucking that up but he's still like the main guy when it comes to authenticating that stuff so there is a Damn, okay. So the packs were all both damn it. It was worth nothing. I love, oh, I'm, I, Garbage. I get that. But then, so what happens with the, I think eBay gave him his money back, right? I would assume that uh, he got his money back. I mean, yeah. if the guy wants to stay in business, he probably had to. You even make a transfer of that kind of money. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know shit about Charizards or any of this shit yeah. with the Pokemon world, but so anyway, that's continue. what happened. Okay. So let's get back. Um, uh, Evan says, it's a DaVinci. Yep, 100% to Vince. Uh -huh. Even uh, that there are folks that may disagree uh, makes you want to look at it in its eye and see for yourself what the fuss is about. Mm -hmm. Well, Diane says, my greatest regret is that it didn't go to a museum. And of course, everyone's idea of the picture is now formed by mystery and legend and speculation. Don't forget about the speculation that I had with you the know finger. the hand. Yeah. I mean, that still drives me nuts. He's holding the ball in one cube. I was looking at it. It doesn't look that uh, Dude. auspicious. Oh, look at it again. It just looks like he's kind of holding it down. I don't think it can be done. Okay. By the way, I know a thing or two about hands because I used to be a hand model. Oh, were you? I mean, what, you and Seinfeld? No, I was. <laughs> I'll never forget. Well, because Tell me the story. Here's the thing. You okay. know I'm a consummate actor and a professional. Consummate. I... I wasn't a hand model. I almost was a hand model. Okay. I went out for a commercial. You, you got it to the semis. <laughs> I got triple A. No, I I went on a commercial for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Jack. Ooh, Jack hands. And they loved me. Mm hmm And they said, we're going to put you on a veil. Too gangly. <laughs> Gangs. That was what we need long, gangly fingers. They said. Ghoulish, actually. My agent called me and they said, we love Chris. Uh -huh. And in particular, Knuckles. we really love his hands. Uh -huh. Now, the director has asked for a callback, but we will put you on a veil. 
but we in uh we need to have him have a manicure. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I you never, should have George you should have Costanza in, huh? Just I went there. in, I got the cure. Yep. And it's the only one time I've had a manicure. Yeah. Cured it up, dude. I'm feeling really good about my chances. Feeling really good. And um I go in right. and I'm getting my manicure nails. and they go, um, wow, you have really bad hang, hang nails. Uh-oh. I go, well, yeah, it's because I bite my fingers. Uh. And I'm like, but you can fix it all right because I've got a really big call back tomorrow. For my so, no, what? You don't want the jail? Don't you? Did you go to Vietnamese person? <laughs> I don't have no idea what they were saying. <laughs> but the point <laughs> is, I didn't know that they were going to look as close as they did. You don't want them. So I went in thinking, oh, they really love me. And then I do the shot and I'm not even in the shot. It's just my hand. Uh-huh. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to pass this with these hangnails. <laughs> this, okay. Here's the thing. I needed the Diane Modestini yeah, of fucking manicurist Whoa. to fix my mitts. Yeah. So yeah. I, at the end of the day, I was like, they didn't even have a fucking clue if they like my hands or not. Yeah. They just knew I was probably the only asshole that would go get a manicure and get it done. Anyway, yep. Yep. didn't book the KFC job. Maybe because they, didn't they got know a close They actually didn't know you were a man either. <laughs> Okay, let's get back to the story. Um, back to Diane. She says, you know, I want it to be in the museum. Everybody's got an idea of the picture. Um, and it's shrouded in mystery and legend and speculation. It would be very surprising if all the experts suddenly said, oh, yes, this is absolutely by Leonardo. And there are no documents. It cannot be proven, you know, factually beyond a doubt. Of course, I wish that I could move on. But the Salvatore Mundi is always with me because I'm never allowed to forget. Reporter, the mystery is sort of solved, but not really. And this again is a whole new sort of rabbit hole. Hall of Mirrors. The painting hasn't been seen since it was sold. Once described as the greatest discovery of the 21st century, the mystery surrounding Salvatore Mundi continues today. And that's the last thing we hear as we hear overlapping voices speaking in multiple languages before the screen turns black and the title card appears again before the credits roll. Wow. So, wow. as some perspective, Dave. Fucking A, man. As some perspective. All right. Since I know then, you've got I gotta, questions. I got to hear this. You, Tell me your second. What? Keep going. I want to know what's happening now. Well, we're not, we need a we're not gonna get to what's happening now. Okay. I want to give you some perspective. Okay. On the price paid. The one fucking time I want the what's happening now. You're, you're gonna get me it. With this. We got plenty you're to discuss. You're playing with my emotions here. All right, let's hear this. Yeah. The Monday sold for four hundred and fifty million in 2017. Okay. Now, before that, what do you think the highest price painting was? You kind of had an idea. One ten. It was 130, three, 130. It was 300 million for William oh. de Kooning's interchange. Oh. What? Yes. That sounds like bullshit too. You don't even know who William de Kooning is. Nope. And nor does it matter. <laughs> and then before that, you had the card players by Paul Cezanne. That's the dogs. To me, so it's the dogs, dude. It's the boys. It's not the boys. It was Cezanne. Did I say Gauguin? Because I meant Cezanne. Cezanne. It was not uh, the, <laughs> the dogs. Dog. 
Okay. So it was. It <laughs> That's was a, what everybody thought. So was, don't laugh at me. It was a season. What, what is it like? What is the what is the picture of the card players? Yeah, it's two guys playing cards. That's pretty gay. Yeah, it's an impressionistic work by uh, Cezanne. Is it? And then before that, you had a two hundred ten million dollars sale okay. of a um, uh, of a Gogan. Ooh. And then of course we have my guy Pollock. Uh, yeah, with a two hundred Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> Love his Watkins. He's his seventeen. His, his seventeen A composition sold uh-huh. for two hundred million. That's of course. Um, yes. So that's just to give you some perspective. So it was, you know, uh, what's the math on that? You go from three hundred to four hundred and fifty million. It's bullshit, it's like dude. Thirty three percent increase. Somebody asked commissions and artists twenty five thousand dollars. Make me. Uh, Make me a piece of art. That piece of art, a few years later, gets appraised by the buddy of the gallery for $25 million. It then goes somewhere and gets sold for this or that, gets appraised, gets insured, <coughs> ends up somewhere. Okay, I'm going to leave it up to you. Somebody makes money off of it like that. I'm going to leave it up to you. because Losing I, it or <coughs> something. We have a couple of things that I want to discuss. We can either start with more of the Leonardo okay. or we can get to more investigative work mm. uh, regarding Yves Bouvier. Which would you like to start with? Let's start on Yvesy. Okay. So here's what you need to know about Yvesy. Um, in 2017... He's good at setting up shell corporations. Well, he he was... Uh, it emerged that he was under criminal investigation by mm. Swiss, author- Swiss, author- Swiss authorities. Swiss that, authorities. Oh. And The worst kind to be under investigation for. He might... Because they don't give a fuck about shit. He might have evaded more than 100 million euros in tax related to his cross-border art dealings. So in 2008, a Geneva prosecutor uh, opened a new criminal investigation in Bouvier regarding an indictment of charge for fraud. So remember the uh, Freeport facilities? Yep. Favorite part. He didn't just have them in Geneva. He expanded them to um, other countries like Singapore and Luxembourg mm-hmm. and even Shanghai. All the so he places. went global with these free economic zones. Yeah. Well, they were uh, subject to scrutiny by authorities and governments. Um, for example, a study by the European Parliament's think tank described their high security and discretion as a risk for, of course, tax evasion and money laundering. And a European Commission report also concluded that these facilities could be abused for trade of counterfeited goods, crime, uh, if no sufficient checks are carried out to identify the owners um, or companies using them. And furthermore, in 2016, Uh. UNESCO reported uh, detailed um, that freeports can be used by art dealers to trade stolen, looted, or illegally excavated Uh. objects. Right. So the idea is you go dig shit up in the desert, you put it in a fucking free port for yeah. 10, 20 years, and you're exactly. like, oh, look what I found. Yep. Um, now, <coughs> excuse me, um, I'm not going to get into the details of all of the, uh, the specific free ports and whatnot. Ooh, those are the most interesting things. Well, I'm just going to tell you what the European Parliament and Europe- European Commission mm-hmm. discovered. Okay. So gold, wine, antiques, yeah. alternatives uh, to cash. Um, but the, the export, the re-export, when you get them back out in the world, 
you disguise the actual origin and nature of the goods and their supplier. Right. So it the goes commission there, it hides and gets comes out something else. Correct. The commission money said, laundering. Yes, they were used for narcotics trafficking, mm-hmm. illegal ivory trade, mm. people smuggling, yeah. which is, I guess, a cool way to is say human, human trafficking. trafficking? <laughs> uh, that fraud, corruption. Wait, what? That fraud, value added tax. Hmm. Um, yeah. So value added tax, huh? Okay. Yeah, I, I'm assuming for, that's like, what super expensive cars and shit. Well, I yeah, I guess. Okay, cool. I mean, you, these things are massive. You can yeah, put anything in them. Of course. Um, so on the dispute with Robolov, remember the guy that he basically fucked over? I remember him. So Robolov filed suit against him for a uh, billion dollars, uh, which is basically it. double what he paid for all his Where? shit. Uh, this is interesting. So the dispute over 38 works of art gave rise to civil and criminal litigation in Singapore, Switzerland, France, Monaco, China, and the U.S. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So How do you even do that? <laughs> well, first of all, you have to understand how we found out. Um, somebody tipped him off. It's like some Rico shit. Somebody sold him uh, a painting uh, called Nude on a Blue Cushion for <laughs> $93.5 million. Is that the one of Bill Gates in a blue dress? <laughs> Pretty close. Sick. It's not well, though. I guess it wouldn't be nude then. Would it? It's not. It's a. It's a Modigliani. <laughs> so say that three times. Modigliani. 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 So anyway, Modigliani. that's how he got popped originally. He found out. He got in touch with the buyer who sold the nude on a blue cushion to him. Sure. And then he was like, "Oh, I just bought that." And he's like, "Oh, I just sold that." And he was like, oh, "When'd you sell it?" And he's like, "Yesterday." And he's like, "Oh, I just bought it today. Oh, what'd you sell it for?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, ninety three And he's million. like, "I just bought it for one hundred eighteen. So he found out he got fucked Jesus anyway. Christ. So at this point, Bouvier, I oversell your painting. Hey, I buy high. I I buy low and I sell high. Do not call me criminal. Yeah. It's uh, you know, a free trade man. He's a scumbag." So yeah. he in 2015 he's arrested I in mean, Monaco yeah. on suspicion of fraud. Okay. So he gets out on 10 million dollars bail. Well that case is still ongoing. So he denied all accusation and argued that he'd first heard about the complaint when he was arrested and that the price of the paintings had been agreed to by both parties. Uh, he also called for an investigation into HBC's provision of a letter to Monaco police that falsely stated that he and a co-defendant in that he and a, a co-defendant were in a money laundering case. Okay. So HSBC comes back don't and he, say. he says, "Oh, that was a simple clerical mistake. Ah, Our bad." Sure. Well, Robolov's lawyer, Bersheda recorded a private conversation at the Gark's house. The Gark? <laughs> it doesn't say Gark. I'm I know, just, the oligarchs. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure what kind of Garks we're talking about. Yeah, uh, a few days before the arrest. Well, following a complaint uh, filed by a person named Tanya Rapo, Robolev and Bersheda were briefly placed in police custody in 2015. In 2016, Bersheda was also charged by Monaco court for violation of the privacy of Rappo. Mm. So Bersheda maintains that the recording uh, was a professional conversation and was authorized by law. Some Al Capone bullshit. Well, in March 2015, privacy, we bring you in. Singapore gets involved 
and they freeze all of Bouvier's assets. Uh-huh. But then the assets were unfrozen mm-hmm. on grounds that Robolev's approach consisted as an abuse of power. So the high court then over uh, uh, ordered the Russian millionaire, meaning uh, Robolev, right. to deposit $100 million to guarantee the amount of damages sustained by Bouvier and his companies due to the injunction. Uh-huh. Well, this is where it gets weird. After Robolev uh, su- successfully obtained what's called a Mareva injunction from Hong Kong's high court in July, Bouvier had his assets in Hong Kong unfrozen following a consent summons between Bouvier and two companies linked to Robolev. High court recorder Jason Powing ordered an injunction against art dealer Bouvier and his Hong Kong company, My Invest Limited, to be lifted. So at this point, the High Court of Singapore dismisses Bouvier's attempt to suspend civil suit, but the case was transferred to the Singapore International Commerce Court, right. which deals specifically with cross-border, cross-border commercial dispute, disputes. So in 2016, Bouvier's lawyers filed an appeal against the High Court's ruling, arguing the case should be heard in Switzerland rather than Singapore. So then the shit goes to Switzerland. And in March of 2016, the European and U.S. federal prosecutors opened an investigation into Bouvier, mm-hmm. who they described as, quote, one of the art world's consummate insiders. Ooh. So uh, Bouvier, Resounding then, praise. Bouvier then entered a new phase of his campaign to clear his name by hiring a global PR group. Uh-huh. Which was, start suing, motherfuckers. <laughs> which was part of a French giant police group. Okay. So in February of uh, 2018, a federal prosecutor in Geneva opened a criminal investigation into Yves, accusing him of fraud to the detriment of Robolev. Right. So Robolev then accuses Sotheby's of being complicit Aha. in Bouvier's alleged defrauding scheme. So um, we, I want to know where the certifications all start. Where where they are, that's where you find out where all this mess happens. And then once you got the right certification, who started who starts pushing it? Then you get your real answers. Well, in June Charlie. of 2019, the U.S. District Court for SDNY they ordered email exchanges between Bouvier and Sotheby's, um, which were private, con- previously confidential. So they unsealed these documents after the court request them. Um, regarding 14 works, which Sotheby's had sold to Yves, which then okay. Yves later right, sold right, right. to Robolov. Well, the documents uh, and correspondence between Bouvier and Sotheby's staff uh, revealed that Bouvier p- paid Sotheby's $83 million for the work, suggesting a 53% markup, which is exactly what Robolov had alleged. Right. According to the files, the process involved a request from Yves uh, to send an evaluation approved by Sotheby's, which was to be transferred to Robolov, indicating that Bouvier and Vallette, who was the insider at Sotheby's, apparently coordinated on the values of the appraisals, which Bouvier then sent to his client. Right. Bouvier, of course, purchased the paintings via Sotheby's for lower amounts indicated in the valuation. So they were complicit. Right. So... Um, it basically, 
the transaction history that Sotheby's provided for certain works omits sales to Bouvier, although this representative Vallette has personally been involved in many of the sales. So both Bouvier and Sotheby's have denied wrongdoing. Right. And in 2018, Robolev um, was charged in relationship to a probe into influence peddling and corruption by prosecutors in Monaco. Yeah, because like Sotheby's isn't the one saying it's authentic. No, so. but they were they were disguising they know yeah with you know what they were well, really they selling just for fucking they fucking knew the system well they played the system very well on 13 this november probably happens so much more than you think yeah but this is the most high profile because sure, sure. this is a fucking billion dollars obviously, worth of assets obviously, obviously. uh in november 2019 the new york court of appeals decided that sotheby's had to provide documents requested in the context of proceedings initiated by foreign jurisdictions in which the auction houses involved, including the proceedings between Yves and Dimitri uh, in Switzerland. Right. Um, other things you need to know, this isn't the first time it's happened to Yves. He was busted uh, for attempting to defraud a Canadian dealer. And this is very interesting. Okay. There's another incident where Bouvier purported connections to Galerie Jacques de la Belle and his ownership of an offshore entity called Diva Fine Arts led him to be connected to the case of Wolfgang Beltracci. Now, have you ever heard of his name? No. Wolfgang Beltracci is a very famous German forger. <laughs> they did a doc on him, which I'm gonna do, we're going to bring up later on down okay. the road. So he would go to extreme lengths to create these lost masterpieces. Wow. He'd go back and he'd find like the exact canvas he needed at yard sales. Wow. He'd take dust and dirt uh, and do all kinds of weird things. It's a very fascinating documentary. I love it. Uh, but anyway, he worked with that scumbag. Uh, more bad news for Bouvier. These are previous uh, incidents. On March 30, 2012, the Beijing office of one of Bouvier's subsidiary firms, Art Transporter IFAS. Right. Well, well that got raided by tax authorities, sure. leading to the arrest of several employees, including the general manager. And through his lawyer, Bouvier contested having affiliation with the company with the efforts of German diplomats, yep, uh, he was released and returned to Germany in 2013, and yep. the case was closed as well as charges uh, dropped. Uh, this uh, is <laughs> this guy's juiced uh, in, bro. That's how that's how people get their money. Well, Bouvier and another associate, Mark Francelet, were also allegedly involved in helping former president of Angola, Josue Eduardo dos Santos, funnel Angolan state funds out of the country. Another fake country. <laughs> According to Angolan press reports and French court documents, Bouvier and Francelet used two shell companies um, to make state funds disappear. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, uh, yep, yep, yep. Remember the Panama Papers? Oh, I remember him, baby. Okay. He was leaked in the uh, Panama, Panama Papers to have at least five shore, offshore companies. Right. Um, a lawyer, of course, uh, Bouvier stated, these are used for well-established legal purposes. Right, right. It's called payoff money. Exactly what it is. It's all, this is all greasing the palms of the government and the corruption of Shakedown the world. Shakedown cash. Globalists. The globalists. Um, and then there's also, uh, these are alleged tax evasions. Um, the Swiss went after him in 2017. 
um, for the tune of $145 million stemming mostly from income received through art deals with Robolove and proceeds from companies in Hong Kong and the Virgin Islands that are allegedly tied to him. Okay. Um, uh, in tw- this is August 2020. Their federal criminal court ruled that some of the documents in question must be inspected, which subsequently led authorities to accuse Bouye of owing taxes of $360 million. <laughs> But his response was, well, I'm a resident of Singapore now, yeah, so, so I don't have to pay that. Try to get it all out of there then. <laughs> he duped another Russian businessman uh, by the name of Vladimir Sherbakov, yeah. um, who, according to media reports... Uh, Bouvier had engaged in over 40 uh, transactions of art. Wow. Uh, you want to hear about his personal life? <sighs> I guess. <laughs> it's not going to get good. Okay. Uh, he's Protestant and passionate about sailing boats of all kinds uh-huh. and competition horses. Typically running into international waters away from authorities. Um, and according to French magazine Le Point. Ah, La Pont. Le Pont. Eves had allegedly uh, been the patron of Zahia Dehar, a model and designer who had previously worked as a call girl. Uh According to a report, Bouvier allegedly organized dinners for his clients with Dehar as the guest star while she was allegedly underage. Oh, boy. She became known to the general public after being offered at the age of 17 as a birthday president Yikes. to French footballer Frank Ribery. Uh, Frank Ribery? <laughs> Frank really? Ribery. Do you know who Did he is? Did Ribery marry her? Uh, it was, well, Frank Ribery. It was a birthday present. I mean... He offered it, but like, yeah. did it get to him? Did it get to Frank Ribery? I don't think so. But the Uh-oh. relationship between Yves and Dahar caught the attention of the French press, but has been denied by both Bouvier and Dahar. But a former escort colleague of Dahar, known as Sarah, claims that she and uh, Dahar were part of an international pimping ring head by Yves Bouvier. Oh, boy. Okay. He's a master James Bond. It's pretty villain. gross. Yeah, mm-hmm. master Jeffrey Epstein. Jeez. Yeah. Well, here's at the point of the show where I want you to tell me, is the painting real, Dave? Is this painting real? No. Okay. Fake painting. Fake painting. No, well, <laughs> it's a painting maybe from the time. But it's not a Da Vinci. Nope. Okay. Now, here's the thing. We're going to have a pretend mock trial. I will. That's as close as I'll get is... It could be dated correctly. So you say it could be from 1500. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, as you know, in criminal cases, we have what's called reasonable doubt. Sure. And in civil cases, what is a preponderance of evidence, I believe? I suppose. I'm going to... A compelling <laughs> public interest as well. Give you some more information that was not in the film bah. and see if it changes your mind. Bah, 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 bah. Okay. So just, just so we know, approximately 30 copies and variations of the works by pupils and followers of Leonardo have been identified. Uh, you have the two preparatory chalk and ink drawings, <laughs> which are, we know are da Vinci's. Okay. And they correspond to the drubbery okay. that we see in the Salvatore Mundi. So, um, um, Again, we don't know where the painting is right now, but the Mundi 
was probably commissioned by a specific patron rather than produced on spec. A woman by the name of Isabella Diesti, who was the Duchess of Milan, is cited as a possible patron as in 1504, she had wished to commission from Leonardo a youthful Christ of around 12 years of age that he had when he disputed in the temple. So she wanted to get a painting of a 12-year-old Jesus Christ okay. as the Monday, apparently. All right. Um, Carlo Pedretti notes that Isabella d'Este was a guest of Leonardo's patron, Giuliano de' Medici, okay. in 1514. So he may have convinced the artist to complete the commission at the time. And of course, we know the, the Medicis are basically the founding fathers of the international banking system that exists to this day. I didn't know that. Of course you should know that. I didn't know that. Well, remember Martin Kemp? Medici. Huh? Uh, Remember Martin yep, Kemp? Yep, yep. He doesn't draw conclusions, but he discusses the possibility of Isabella de Esti as a patron. Though he also considers a Hungarian king, Matthias Corvinus, Charles VIII of France, and his consort Anne of Brittany. Now, this view was echoed by the royal collection in their 2018 ex- exhibition, Leonardo da Vinci a life in drawing, and is supported by the early French provenance of many of the copies of the Salvatore Mundi. Mm -hmm. So a little bit more on provenance to see if this changes your mind. All right. It's possible that the painting was recorded in a 1525 inventory of Salai's estate as Cristo in Mondo de Uno Dio Padre. Whoa, man. Which would translate some immaculate pronunciations. There. Which would translate, of course, to Christ World Father. Hmm. Though it's unclear which Salvatore Mundi this might refer, but you're saying a 25 year difference of when the painting. Now yeah. remember, in the movie, they could only go back a couple of centuries on provenance. Okay. To uh, I believe it was wasn't it James the first and James the second, but. Provenance does break after 1530. Well, images of Christ holding a sphere became extremely popular following Charlemagne's adoption of the Globus, Cruciger, and the Scepter. The earliest true Salvatore images are found in Northern Europe. Now, there are at least 30 copies, as we've discussed, which even Robert Simon agrees to. And the large number of these paintings is an important part of the pedigree of Leonardo's painting and emphasizes that there must have been an original by da Vinci from which they were copied. The most significant and widely discussed among these is a painting formerly in the Ganet collection. Mm. As this one shares most closely the same composition and demonstrates the highest technical skill of Leonardo's pupils. Wow. So they know it's a studio follower that created this composition. Oh, okay. Leonardo's studio and his followers likewise produced at least four Mondays depicting a youthful Christo. It says Christ, Christo. but I'm going Christo. with Christo. <laughs> Christo. Who is less frontal in his pose and who holds the terrestrial globe. These are largely from Leonardo's Milanese following rather than from members of his studio. Though the variant in Rome 
can reasonably be attributed to his pupil Marco do Diagiano. Okay. Diagiano. Diagiano. Now we're going to continue with the provenance that we have on record from the 17th to the 19th century, which wasn't discussed in the film as okay. well. Cool. The painting appears to have been at James Hamilton's Chelsea Manor in London from 1638 to 1641. Well, after he participated in the English Civil War, uh-huh. this Hamilton character got executed uh-huh. in 1649, and his possessions were taken to the Netherlands uh-huh. and sold. Well, <laughs> you, you really uh, fumbled that one. Netherlands. <laughs> so if he had the painting, um, the Bohemian artist Weinclossus recorded in Henrietta Maria's possession in 1649, which is the same year he got executed. Uh, the same year her husband, Charles I, was executed. Jesus. <laughs> On Jan- There was a lot of fucking yeah. shit going down in 1649. Well, the painting was included in an inventory of the royal collection. They and- know that for sure. Yeah. Wow. Valued at 30 pounds. And Charles' possessions were put up for sale under the English Commonwealth. The painting was sold to a creditor in 1651, returned to Charles II after the English Restoration in 1660, uh, and included in an inventory of Charles' possessions at the Palace of Whitehall in 1666. Okay, so while you're going through all this, let me just say one thing. Yeah. Somebody has gone through all this. Yes. Found out that there's X number of things that are unaccounted for mm-hmm. and went to somebody and said, get paint me this and make it seem like it's from the 1500s. And so we could add the tracking to it. That's what I think. Don. Okay. But uh, wait, what's your, what were you going to say? I, I, I'm just trying to, all I'm trying to do is be an impartial um, uh, uh, advisor to you sure. in making your decision sure. and presenting as much information sure. to you as possible. Okay, go. Um, so it was then inherited by James II, which they did discuss in the film, and he it may have remained with him until he passed it to his mistress, Catherine Sedley, whose illegitimate daughter with James became the third Jesus wife Christ. of John Sheffield, Duke of Buckingham. All right. Well, the Duke's illegitimate son, Sir Charles Hart of Sheffield, auctioned the painting in 1763, along with other artworks from Buckingham House, Right. When the building was sold to George III. Yeah. So that brings us up to, you know, revolutionary times. The painting was probably placed in a gilded frame in the 19th century, which it remained until 25. So 2005. So it didn't change frames for 200 plus years. Oh, it is probably the painting. So this girl just going there and fucking it all up, huh? It is probably the painting bought by the British collector Francis Cook in 1900 from James C. Robinson for his collection at Dowdy House in Richmond, London. The painting has had been damaged by previous restoration attempts. This is when they did the pubic hair beard. Yeah. And was attributed to Bernardino Luini, a follower of Leonardo. Mm. Sir Francis Cook, fourth baronet, Cook's great grandson sold it at auction in 1958 
for 45 pounds as a work by Leonardo's uh, pupil. Lost money. Boltafari. Uh, Gained five pounds. Yeah. In whatever. Not in, in a thousand yeah. years or whatever the fuck. 500 years. So the painting had been a tribute to uh, Boltrofio until 2011 when it was purchased by Bob and Alex. Well, the original okay. painting by Leonardo was thought to have been destroyed or lost around 1603. And there's our answer. In 1978, a woman named Joanne Snow Smith argued that the copy in the collection of the Marquis Jean-Louis de Guinée in Paris was the lost original. Based on, among other things, yeah. its similarity to Leonardo's St. John the Baptist, um, and through her research... In regard to the prominence of the, this painting and its relationship to Holler, few art historians were convinced of her attribution, namely you. Right. Well, let's talk about the attribution. Okay. We've talked about the number of pentimento, okay. the thumb. Yep. Um, there is also an attribution called sfumato, sfumato, okay. Okay. which is effect of the face meaning like how the face is visual yeah, visualized. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Facial achieved features. by manipulating the paint using the heel of the hand. Okay. In typical of Leonardo's works. Right. Now, I don't know how they figure that out, if they can see like lines on the hand, because they can't get palm prints, I wouldn't assume. I don't know. But they're saying there is sufficient suffamato right. on the face that would lead it back to Leonardo. <laughs> now, remember the hair, the okay. ringlets? Yep. The way the ringlets of hair and the knot work across the stole have been handled is also seen indicative of da Vinci style. Furthermore, the pigments um, and the walnut panel upon which the work was executed are consistent with other Leonardo so maybe, paintings. Maybe Contrary, this, chick, this chick went in there and kind of revised it to make it look a little Leonardo-esque. But th they're they're saying that the wood matches. Okay. And of course, in the film, they say there's no way this would have would have matched because okay. there's a knot in it. So uh, in a biography of Leonardo, Walter Isaacson noted that the celestial sphere that Christ is holding uh -huh. does not correspond to the way such an orb would realistically look. Okay. It, because it shows no signs of reflection. Right. Uh, Isaacson writes, in one re respect, it is rendered with beautiful scientific precision, but Leonardo failed to paint the distortion that would occur when looking through a solid clear orb at objects that are not touching the orb. Solid glass or crystal, whether shaped like an orb or a lens, produces magnified, inverted, and reversed images. Mm. Instead... Leonardo painted the orb as if it were a hollow glass bubble that does not refract or distort the light passing through it. He believes this was a conscious decision on Leonardo's part and speculates that Leonardo felt a more accurate portrayal would be distracting or he was subtly trying to impact a miraculous quality to Christ and his orb. Uh -huh. While Kemp agrees that to show the full effects of the sphere, Right. On the drapery uh -huh. behind would have been grotesque uh -huh. in a functioning devotional image. Kemp further states that the doubled outline of the heel of the hand holding the sphere. Right. Well, let's get to, uh, oh, excuse me. 
that sphere part, yeah, that's described as a pentamento as well, mm-hmm. is an accurate rendering um, produced by uh, transparent calcite or rock crystal. Huh. But he continues, outside the globe itself, the orb sparkles with a series of internal inclusions or pockets of air, evidence in support of it being solid. So, okay. These these Important are the small information, these I are guess. the small details. I get it. Um, this is also interesting. There's a depth of field issue. Uh, Kemp studied uh, depth field, also known as shallow focus. Okay. And Christ blessing Christ's blessing hand, right. the one that I say is impossible to right. yeah, maneuver. Yeah. The hands in sharp focus, but the face is. Uh, whereas his face is altered or damaged to some extent, yeah. is in soft focus. Right. That's because she fucking... She fucked it up. She varnished <laughs> the fuck out of it, dude. Well, Leonardo had written these manuscripts, and in one of them, um, he he wrote about theories of visions, optics of the eye, and theories relating to shadow, light, and color. And in the Monday, he deliberately placed an emphasis on parts of the picture over others. Elements in the foreground are seen in focus, while elements further from the picture plane, such as the face, are barely in focus. Right. Well, that manuscript that Leonardo was investigating, this particular phenomenon. Phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon, exactly. So, um, furthermore, we need to discuss... Isn't uh, that how a camera works anyway? I don't know. Sort of. Um, we need to discuss the X-ray fluorescence. What's that? Well, when you examine under a microscope, it's revealed a very skillful execution, notably in the skin coloring and the curls of the hair, and great refinement, notably in the depiction of the relief of the embroidery. That's the, the stuff around his shirt. Okay. So radiography showed up uh, the same very faint out- outlines as in the St. Anne, Mona Lisa, and St. John the Baptist, which are characteristic of Leonardo's work after 1500. The number of changes made during the creation of the work also plead in favor for an autograph Sounds like they're just trying to really make it something. The first version of the central plastron with a pointed form is immediately comparable to the central part of the tunic in the Windsor drawing. Those are the draperies. Uh And to our knowledge, is not seen anywhere else. Lastly, in addition, the movement of the thumb was also noted in the St. John by Leonardo. Mm. After intensive studies of other Leonardo works in the Louvre collection, it seems to us that a number of the techniques observed in the Monday are typical of Leonardo. The originality of the preparation, the use of ground glass, and the remarkable use of vermilion in the hair and shadows. These latest elements all plead in favor of a late work by Leonardo after St. John the Baptist and dating from the second Milan period. Okay. okay. Maybe it is. There's some part, now there's some part partial attribution. Okay, let's hear some of the other attributions. This is partial. This isn't full. Remember old Jacques Jacques Frank? Sure. Um, He says, the composition doesn't come from Leonardo. He preferred twisted movement. It's a good studio work with a little Leonardo at best. But it's very damaged. 
It's been called the male Mona Lisa, but it doesn't look like it at all. Michael DeLay, the director of Artwatch UK, doubts the Mundy's authenticity and theorizes it may be the prototype of a subject painted by Leonardo. The right. quest for an autograph, Leonardo, might seem moot or vain. Not only do the two drapery studies compromise, or excuse me, comprise the only accepted Leonardo material, but within the Leonardo literature, there is no documentary record of the artist ever have been involved in such a painting of a project. Wow. So how are you feeling now? Do you still feel confident? I guess. I don't even know anymore. Well, we're going to wrap things up. So many up. emotions. <laughs> it's just so conflicted. Just like the Mona Lisa, so many emotions. Well, Carmen Baumbach, <clears throat> who specializes in Italian Renaissance art at the Met. That's, that's the, the party talker. I mean, this guy's going to kill it at your little gatherings. Um, uh, she, Run his home. She, she also questioned full attribution. Yep. Having studied and followed the picture during its conversation or con conservation treatment and seeing it in the context in the National Gallery, much of the original painting she believes to be Botrophio. Right. Uh, Botrophio. But with only passages done by Leonardo himself, namely Christ's proper right blessing hand and portions of the sleeve. Okay. So uh, there you I, go. I, I don't know, man. So there you go. I got to see it. Um, Which won't happen. Well, here's my I've question. I've seen the picture of the thing, though. Well. The picture. <laughs> I, I, I initially, after watching it, was like, there's no way. This is all just a scam. Yeah. This is a setup. Uh, this is just to make money. Right. But after viewing Diane Modestini's website. Right. Oh, when God. she goes. I, I, I got you some crystals I can sell you, too. <laughs> And then getting more of the um, the nonce from the you know fifteenth through the seventeenth centuries, which okay. basically said they didn't have in the uh, movie. Again, you can I just prov, bro. You know, I'm just saying a lot of these things could be inside, so inside, and so easy to make money that like it's a no brainer. Well, the last thing I'll leave you with before putting you on trial, okay, is. In 2020, um, the company Cariola Productions announced that it was working on the production of a Broadway musical based oh. on the history of the Salvador Mundi. Oh, who so thought? It might not be. They're merchandising it, it Exactly. Keep it going. So here's yep. my question. If you're, on <laughs> a a, story. if you're on a jury trial and it's beyond a reasonable doubt, are you saying it's authentic or are you saying this is a fake? Because you, we're going to do the jury trial, the criminal. Right. Is it real or is it fake? Fake. If you're in a civil what you, what's case. Not, it's not a Da Vinci. It's not a Da Vinci. I'm not saying it's not a fake thing. From you're the just saying it's not a Da Vinci. Correct. What if you're in a civil trial? And the, it's preponderance of evidence as opposed to reasonable doubt. Who's suing who and for what? <laughs> Nobody's suing anybody. It's well, just, that, just for you to decide. Uh, well, somebody would be suing for a lot of money for civil damages, but they wouldn't be going to jail. Okay. But... Again, the I think it's a fake. Okay, but so like, it's a fake on both counts. But but no, I know I need to know what you're asking me. Anyway, yes, fake on both counts. Okay, I'm going to say this. Okay, I think it is. Uh, if and I'm, we're back. And we're back. <laughs> okay. I think if I was in a criminal trial, 
I would have to vote not guilty, meaning it's not a divinch. Okay. But if I was in a, this is some weird thing you're doing with something. Well, because I'm I'm doing it. <laughs> two no, I'm giving you two different ways get, to weigh mean, the verdict. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. But if I'm in a in a civil trial and it's about preponderance of evidence, I would say it's a divinci. I want to know. Okay. Mainly because of uh, the provenance. But you can't get the divinci's NFL money. No, <laughs> you can't touch it. Not his pension. Um. So yeah. Um. All right. I mean, uh, I get what, I get what you mean. Like the soft, the soft ways. You're going fence sitting here. It's fine. I think it's all bullshit. I think that it's, it's all a the, scam. All a scam from the from the bottom up somehow, and it just gained fire. And then there was like a media backing behind it because they knew they needed to make. I just that's 100 percent what I think. I think a lot of this stuff are scams, and uh, in order for them to be kept going. Shit like this needs to happen, and people need to get paid. And do you think we will see the Monday um, in person unveiled ever? in a public setting anytime soon? Uh, I don't know how to answer that, but my um, gut feeling says no, probably not. If it is, will you uh, go with me and um, like super be here at the lighthouse? Or no, something? no, 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 no. We we'll probably have to go super to Saudi glad. Arabia. Go take a shit on it. <laughs> but if we could, su- will you go with me and super glue our hands on Let's it, do it baby. and say, uh, "Watch down on the docks Let's with do me." Do it. Yep. All right. Well, this movie is a four-star film. Nice. That being said, four dockings. Four dockings. Do you have any desire to watch this documentary? Now that I know the answer, no. But at one point, I did consider going home and watching it. <laughs> right. Because I was really interested in how it ended. Right. But now but it's all bullshit. But now you know it's just all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, if you want to uh, further. Um, your research in this, I do suggest you uh, looking at Diane Modestini's uh, website. And you can also watch Savior for Sale, which was also a documentary put out in the same year, I believe, on the Salvatore Monday. So again, we want to thank you for joining us. Please um, reach out, send us a note, um, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on email. Uh, we love hearing from you. And shout out to Sky Marino this week for your great suggestions. They've been cataloged. And as soon as I have time to watch those documentaries, we will put them in the pipeline. And lastly, thank you, Broccoli Farm 619, for your generous support and allowing us to put in all the time and effort we do to make this show a reality for you and our listeners. We'll be back next week with episode 43. Dave?